Welcome to First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, it's really, really simple. Either me or the guest have experienced something for the first time, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, This one is no surprise. It's a movie, but actually we're talking about two movies that I am seeing for the first time. And my guest is a big fan of this franchise, and uh, my guest tonight is Tyler Scruggs. He's a writer, musician, a pop culture enthusiast, a fellow Bernie-loving socialist, a former Weezer (laughs) fan, and a movie past survivor. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me, Tad. That's like one of the best intros I've had in some time. Um, Really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for... um, indulging me on my Tron journey and my Tron uh, affinity because I do love this franchise a lot. Well, it's interesting because like I've always, I mean, I'll just air it out there. We, we know each other through Weezer fandom. Um, it's just a, <laughs> yeah. a thing. No, yeah, we can, we can get that out. Uh, long ago, you know, on, on like forums, on Weezer forums, um, we were both big Weezer fans and sort of met through that. And um, we followed each other through our journeys. It's sort of, you're, you're younger than me, so I've sort of watched you grow up in front of me. And it's, uh, it's been really cool to sort of watch you, uh, blossom and become, you know, the guy you are today. But, uh, like I said, you, you're, you have several albums out, you're a musician. Um, I've been watching you write some great articles online. And w- one thing I've always had in common with you is, is a love for movies. So I knew I had to have you on for uh, some kind of film-related episode, but I I had several in mind when I wanted to have you as a guest, and I'm sure I'd have to have you back because uh, we share an affinity for Twin Peaks. We, uh, and and you always have such uh, strong love. It's like, (laughs) when when I see you on Twitter, it's like, I don't know, it's something uh, unique to Tyler Scruggs that you will put your neck out for certain movies and uh, don't let go. And I love that about you. Uh, I've always thought. Uh, Thank you so much. That's like one of the kindest things I've heard. Uh, like, like super life affirming. Thank you. Because I, I'm always looking for a way to like explain this best because I, um, one of the things that I learned in the past like year or so it was like a film professor that told me this uh, about um, conceptualizing cinema as events. So like when we talk about like films and like a film theory sort of way, you have to take into account the atmosphere, the time, the event of a film's release, because um, I liken it to baseball, you know, like so many things have to kind of line up and like there's the hit and it goes as far as it goes but like there's a lot of like physics that goes into it um like a lot of like tangible real trajectories um and so movies are this miracle of like hundreds of people putting their fingerprints on something in hopes of like giving the illusion of a singular vision and that part like that and me just loving the hype of it all like i just really get into the hype and i'm not really like shy of that word you know because i like you know like that's uh like justice league came out today but um i don't know i just like to ride the wave i like to feel the full breadth of a cinematic experience 
in that moment in time to just to understand that and live my life <laughs> most fulfilled. No, I, I completely uh, I love that, too, because I feel like sometimes I'm around. I mean, I'm, I'm in small town, Iowa, so it's, it's a whole different thing. But it's like I feel like movies like you said an event but like liking it to baseball you know people always say you know oh baseball is completely different on tv you have to go see it in person because you know it's the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the it's like getting the concessions and being around other fans it's like you know it's it, i mean the elephant in the room is like we're, we're recording this after theaters have been pretty much closed closed for a year we haven't had uh, much for new movies and yeah. i know we're both people who loved i mean we were both movie pass <laughs> owners and we loved going to the theater and being the first ones to see something and uh, i always would be buying uh tickets in advance and getting my special seats i had to have a certain seat and i'd always want to sit in that seat and you know and be see it on as early yeah. as i possibly can and uh it didn't matter if it's a Marvel movie or, you know, a, a little indie film. Um, it just, I, I truly, you just had to that. be excited for it. Exactly. Like, and, yeah. But like, it was like, I have plans every Thursday night to go see something. <laughs> um, and sometimes I book those, you know, that ticket weeks in advance or, um, you know, it may, sometimes I'm watching unpopular films like, um, I don't know. I've seen a lot of films like alone in the theater, but I think that's par for course. Um, yeah, I I miss it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in like a personality free fall right now because I've centered my whole life around like cinema and live music. Mm -hmm. and I was bartending and waiting and like... <laughs> All that's I've gone. Had to undergo, all of it's gone. I have to like, I have to get a new personality now. Um, and it's kind of, you know, working like I miss going to the theater. I miss big screens, but, um, I am kind of getting that communal experience still in the, you know, Friday morning Twitter content, uh, you know, hubbub. Yeah. That, Do, doom that scrolling occurs. through Twitter. Doom scrolling through Twitter, but like also, I mean, WandaVision just wrapped and like, it'll be, it's funny because I don't think this is going to be the case for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but like, just, I would wake up early on, you know, Friday mornings, you know, just like half awake at like, you know, 510. I'd look at my phone and it's like, oh, it's 510. And like the f second thought that would like come across my mind is like, oh, I could watch WandaVision right now. And like i hated the grip that that show had on me but i hated more than that grip to like get spoiled right exactly <laughs> and and no one was able to like contain themselves because by like 9 a.m eastern like if like every you know big scene and what in that episode was everywhere and so like the it used to be like, you know, you'd go to you'd have to go to the theater to see the scenes. Mm -hmm. But now we're getting like HD GIFs like immediately after. Oh, yeah. Something comes out. Um, this, it's just things are accelerating at a really crazy pace. And so um, I like to retreat into um, 
tradition i guess is a nostalgia factor but i guess like pretty soon i think we're gonna be like nostalgic for the two-hour movie yeah (laughs) the 90 minute movie um it might i think it's going to go the way of the dinosaurs yeah i I feel the same way it's almost like homework at this point on some things like i did the same thing with wandavision and it was like do i stay up till midnight and watch it and then be tired tomorrow or just risk it and hope that someone like i I couldn't watch it before work i've been you know going to in-person work through the pandemic so it's like i can't yeah i have to wait until the night after i'm done working so it's like the the internet's like a minefield you know it's just people out there Mm -hmm. wanting to talk about it and i can't be upset about it because uh what else are people going to talk about? And it's a, you know, it's, it's a cultural, a huge cultural thing. And, and of course, uh, Marvel just has this all wrapped around their little finger, but, uh, it, it is just a, uh, it's a different time. And, you know, it's, it's like, we've, we've got to learn to adapt because, you know, if, if people always say, you know, don't, well, just don't go on the internet. And it's like, that's uh, everything's on the internet. The internet is life. Like, how can you not go on the yeah. internet, you know? And, yeah, it's it's a battle for me too. But luckily, I didn't have any of that really spoiled for me. I was pretty good about that. Um, you know, I think it's and it turns out there was nothing to spoil. Right? Yeah, it was a whole <laughs> like, fa- false alarm. Yes. But uh, yeah, the whole thing was kind of a false alarm because my everyone's brains went you know totally kaput with Mister Fantastic and Magneto and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, like, so. To bring it, you know, a little bit to a step closer to Tron, like Marvel is the reason why we don't have a Tron 3 or why, like, I think Tron didn't get, like, the investment that, like, it it kind of earned, you know, like, in 20. 11 2012 like it didn't like tron legacy didn't make a ton of money but it was supposed to be like their thing that they're banking on but as soon as tron legacy came out they bought lucasfilm and marvel and so they didn't need to build the franchise of tron and so there's always this like resentment towards you know the star Wars, the new star wars films um and you know the marvel productions because they they basically took their spot on the couch yeah they took their spot on the couch and like the demographic at a time when like it was already a miracle that tron legacy like was going to be a thing um but I, like it ends up being like super prototypical for the movies that we see today, especially like the it was not one of the first, but I mean, it's a prototypical like next generation 80s sequel, like baton passing movie um, in a way that ends up getting repeated in The Force Awakens, you know, et cetera. Exactly. So. Before we get deep into it, I'm just if, sure. no. If if you've read the description, you already know what we're talking about. But um, I'm gonna go ahead and play the trailer, so uh, we sort of get a little bit of hype for this, um, our first movie, which is Tron. For the first film, the eighty two, right? Yes. And the, yeah, let's. I'm so down. Let's get deep into this. All right. I don't think you're ready. <laughs> the computer an extension of the human intellect. 
the ENCOM 511, center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth, programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. <laughs> Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Trapped inside an electronic arena where love and escape do not compute. Okay, Tron, released July 9th, 1982, written by Stephen Lisberger, Bonnie McBride and Charles Haas, directed by Stephen Lisberger, his first feature film, starring Jeff Bridges as Kevin Flynn and Clue, Bruce Boxletner as Alan Bradley and Tron, David Warner as Ed Dillinger, Sark, and Master Control Program, Cindy Morgan as Laura slash Yori, Dan Shore as Ram, and Peter Jurassic as Krom had a budget of $17 million and grossed $33 million in the U.S. and has a 72% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So what about this movie are you such a big fan of? This is my first time watching. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like, my first question is, okay, Tad, did you give a shit about this movie at all? <laughs> so here's my history of it, and I want to hear your hist- okay. history after. Um I oh, sure. I know next to nothing. I, I knew next to nothing. I remember the promo for Tron Legacy, but I and I knew it was a sequel of some kind, but I had zero background. I I knew Jeff Bridges was in it and I knew it was sort of a futuristic um at the time futuristic uh ahead of its time artsy type of film for Disney. But I don't think I've ever even seen a trailer or clips or heard the music. I knew nothing about it. And uh, 
So this is all new and, and it's been interesting. Like you're talking about um, how we consume stuff now. It's like this, the way I consume things for the podcast is a little interesting because uh, you know, I've, I reach out to people and either ask, is there anything you really want to talk about? Or if I have something that they haven't seen, um, I, I recommend it to them. Um, so I try not to look into anything on this movie until after I watched it. And uh, I, I've been waiting for a movie I really hate, and this isn't the one. I loved it. Okay, great. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a slog. Like, you can definitely admit that, because um, I, I would. It's definitely more of a vibe than a movie. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because it's just, I, like, the score is fantastic, but, like... The note that I made in my rewatch was ultimately like, it's really interesting because with my 2021 eyes, the live action sequences like is what like is what I love from the original Tron and the CGI sequences I like from Tron Legacy. Mm -hmm. So like everything outside the computer, like I cannot get enough of with 82 Tron and like it's so funny like it's kind it's kind of a troll film because it was disney's like second crack at trying to uh um capture the success of star wars without having star wars um so if there's a there's another film to add to your queue uh the black hole from 1979 I heard this uh, one mentioned quite a bit when doing uh, watching videos and re doing my little bit of research on this. I, I heard they uh, when they were doing like test shots for the original Tron, they used some of the props and stuff from that. Yeah, I mean, because it was, I mean, it was literally like kind of like the Star Wars like thing uh, going on, where like Star Wars was this big hit in '77, and so like Disney was like, we need space shit now, um, and like somehow the script for the black hole came across their desk and they were like, okay, let's spend a bunch of money, like star Wars money making this film and the black hole. I love it. It's, it's great, but it is a deeply like conversational philosophical, like the premise of the film is like a team on a spaceship discover the existence of a black hole. And the rest of the film is like them debating whether to go through the black hole or not. Um, with, and it has like one of the darkest endings a Disney movie could ever like conceivably have. Anyway, it was a total failure. And so <laughs> their next attempt was Tron. And like, it's very innovative. It's, you know, it's the first film you know to utilize cgi to the point where like the academy awards um like disqualified it for best visual effects right because they they had no idea uh, what what was going on they like didn't know how it was done so yeah uh so that's fascinating um but yeah like this movie's a whole vibe and thematically like what we know now about computers the internet like technology it feels just more and more timely because the conflicts within this film are still sort of 
are deeply representative in like our political structures, life on the internet today. Um, you know, it doesn't take much to connect, you know, and you know, the master control program to the likes of Amazon or right. imperialism. Yeah, it's interesting because at its core, both movies are similar, very similar stories. But this one, the story is is actually really simple. Um, basically, uh, Jeff Bridges, who plays Kevin Flynn, he was a programmer who who wrote um, a bunch of games, and then he gets fired from the company that he's working for, and the evil uh, Dillinger basically took it and claimed it as his own and uh Flynn wants to get in and find proof that it was his creation and he ends up getting sucked into the computer world and he has to uh play these games to find his way out as as uh a pro like he gives plays against programs and and uh at his core they're like you know kids now would be like oh these are like Atari type games they're very simplistic but um I've I watched on YouTube. There's actually the original making of that's really cool, and they got everybody involved and in, and in talking about it. And just the process of how this was made uh, from beginning to end is just mind blowing. Because originally they were gonna do all animation, and then they you know decided to combine the live action and and the animators that uh, were working on it were sort of uh, just doing it on the fly too. They weren't sure it was gonna work. Um, and eventually they convinced Disney, like you guys want this. And then Disney sort of like, uh, we just are going to put all of our trust and money in you and hope that this works. Cause it's never been done before. And, no. uh, you know, they were using backlighting and, um, combining, uh, actual black and white Kodak film that they were filming the movie on with, uh, you know, illustration, animation and CG at the time, which, you know, now you look back, but it's, it's funny because I think about like some of the, some of the awful, awful stuff that came out, like the Scorpion King and that kind of CGI. And it's like, this stuff looks yeah. way cooler. Like this is so much better. <laughs> how did, how did that, you know, we had, we had that like weird middle ground where they were trying to make it work when it wasn't. And it's like, they knew what their limitations and they used it really well in this. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a really smart utilization that perhaps you know isn't universal like it's it's one of those things where it it's the the technological constraints fit the uh fit the film's you know themes and you know it just serves the film better um i like i'm trying to think of another example where like its limitations are um i'm totally blanking out well i think uh, of like i mean it's completely yeah. different but i think of some of the found footage stuff like paranormal activity and uh yeah Blair witch where it's like it was so low key and, and low budget that people thought they were real films you know and that completely different world but i'm saying like they knew what their limits were and they were learning along the way but they weren't um they didn't try to push it any further and, and it's just, you know, it's really, it's almost like a happy accident in some ways. Cause I, I, yeah. I saw that some of like the, I was trying to sort of understand it, how it all worked because they, they said the way they were filming with the film and some of the animation was um, like different shutter speed. And so it created some flickers within the movie and that was completely on accident, but uh, like frames per second. And 
when they're looking back on the dailies and they're putting the stuff together, they're like, you know, oh shit, it's like we have this flicker. And then it's like, well, this actually looks pretty cool because they're in a computer world. Yeah. And they added though, added more flickers, you know, it was an accident first. And then um, they went back and, and changed it down the road because that was never really their intention. But it's like, you know, I, I, I thought the the visuals, and, and this is pretty much a movie to show off the visuals. It started as like, we want to show off these futuristic animations combined with live action. I mean, it's a visual movie and the story was sort of second, but uh, you know, it's, it's really just really cool. And I, I don't have any nostalgic attachment to it myself, but what's your history with it? Yeah. And uh, speaking of nostalgia, I found the point that I was trying to make, which was a uh, toy story um, was the example I'm trying, I was trying to think of where like it was genius for them to use their rudimental like CGI capabilities to make plastic toys. Like yeah. if you have a pro like that kind of like round, you know, the shapes and stuff. Um, but my personal hit like connection with Tron uh, is less, you, you know, I, I hadn't seen Tron like until around legacy maybe a couple years leading up to legacy um but also i was young at the time like tron legacy came out when i was a sophomore in high school so like it wasn't the cool thing for me to be super fucking obsessed with right um but mildly you know i was definitely within the target demographic um to see it like five times um but uh i Tron was kind of like, you know, 82 was alienating to me at first and, you know, still is in the sense that like it, it, it is a very like black movie and like those aesthetically black movies, uh, put me to sleep <laughs> you know like, oh yeah like the second half of the harry potter franchise like i can barely sit through like mostly because like it is just so dark in the image that i <laughs> i get sleepy um but it's it's fun like I love the script. I love uh, like a lot of the religious themes I'm like all about. Um, the fact that like this even is like a you know, computer movie about religion with from <laughs> with, Disney like, bro from Disney with a broy Jeff Bridges and like I'm reading like the Wikipedia factoids and I didn't know that they had envisioned a 30 year old Robin Williams, but like that thinking of a Robin Williams Tron <laughs> makes me giddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's good. I bought it when the sequel came out on Blu-ray and like a box set and I throw it on Every now and again, I listen to the score more than I watch the film. Um, but yeah, like I, I've got uh, a lot of like, like, I got the Lego toys. I have some Tron figures. I plan on getting a Tron tattoo. Um, and we, this is like the nostalgia bit, but um, I used to have a, like a year past at Disney when I finished high school mm -hmm. uh, south of uh, L.A., 
Um, and during that time at night, they would shut down um, California Adventure and turn it into like this club, Electronica. And it was like a recreation of like um, of of the club in Tron Legacy. And uh, they had like a Flynn's arcade where you could play Tron and like little like Flynn's tokens. And like it was like the date like. It was around the time they had debuted like Coke Zero and like had like the aluminum little Coke Zero bottles. Mm-hmm. And so like this was like a very formidable, formidable like time where like every weekend or so like a teenage Tyler's Grugs would drive 45 minutes to Disney's California Adventure to like drink Coke Zero and play <laughs> Disney arcades at the... uh club well, that, um, i love i love tie-ins so that's like and and i love it <laughs> and there's nothing more i love than theme parks to be honest so that sounds like a blast i saw that they did uh i, I don't remember if it was that does uh disneyland have a monorail too because i saw they they said they changed one of the monorails to be like themed to tron and they had the glowing lights on it and stuff I think well, that's only they, World, they have a right? coaster. Okay. Um. That yeah. The the coaster debut. They have a coaster that debuted in Shanghai, and they're building one for Orlando. Right um, at Magic Kingdom. Where, yeah, and so like that. I mean, you know, I'll, I I've come to the realization that like when it comes to media, like. I, I I'm I'm very much the target demographic and so like my appreciation of things like always kind of makes sense <laughs> you know like oh like a Tron roller coaster is something that is pleasing to me uh and not a ton of other people <laughs> so well see it's interesting to me too because like they at disney world they did like the whole pandora world you know and yeah i i saw pandora or i saw um avatar in theaters and it was fine you know it was cool to watch and it's not something i i rewatch but have you seen it recently no i haven't oh you gotta you gotta watch it but we we did go you have to you have to watch it with 2021 eyes i'm sorry i'm so sorry but like i i uh chapo trap house did an episode <laughs> Where they like reanalyzed Avatar and I, the extended version, and I see it in like a completely different light, and I like love Avatar now, like I'm all in. Um, but yeah, it's very you know okay. But the world of Pandora in Orlando continue also kind of okay. Yeah, it's it, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it's like you can sell me on you know when they built it, I was like, what are they doing this movie? You know, the sequels. We're nowhere in sight. Uh, the movie, it was like the worst timing because the first movie, original movie, was sort of being forgotten at, at the stage. And then they built this. I'm like, what, what is Disney thinking? Then I go there. I'm like, oh, I get it. This is awesome. It doesn't, you don't need it to be, you know, you need to ride more so than the actual uh, theming behind it. But like, I imagine, I don't remember it much, but from what I'm reading, like the, the hype for, um, you know tron legacy was huge they they promoted at like three or four different san diego comic cons because it took so long to make uh you know they teased it one year with like some test footage and then the next year it was actually announced by disney and then you know they they showed some actual footage the next year or something like i don't know i I can think of any other film that went over several years at comic-con with uh promo like that but you know the hype was real 
Yeah, it it really was um, because there wasn't much else going on. Like Pirates of the Caribbean was running its course. Um, you know, Marvel had you know three movies under the belt at like Paramount or something, um, and X Men had already like misfired all over the place, and so like it did make sense at the time to really bank on Tron um, as well. But I think Avatar let, you know, helped in that regard. Like it, it very obviously like this was a film, you know, released in 3d IMAX 3d shot in 3d heavily promoted for its 3d effects. Um, Tron legacy. Uh, and that was kind of the blueprint because the following year I'm trying to remember John Carter came soon after that. And then like Tomorrowland, like these, there was a series of big budget sci-fi failures from Disney um, between like 2010 and 2015 that like all of them fascinate me. Like, Oh God, what was the one with Johnny Depp and army hammer? Uh, Oh, the Lone Ranger. Yeah, that. I mean, not quite sci-fi, but uh, in the same. Like, I, 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 I connected in that world with uh, aliens versus cowboys. That you know. Uh, oh yeah, they were like. I did like that one. Studios were just like throwing tons of money at like sci-fi adventure type stuff and seeing if it would stick. Yeah, Jonah I, Hex, Green Lantern, Jonah Hex, Super Eight. Like that was the kind of like that was a time when you could have a movie like Super Eight, where no one knew what they were getting themselves into, but knew to get themselves into a J.J. Abrams, you know, adventure. Um, what year was that? Twenty was that was that twenty eleven? The year after Tron Legacy maybe um, i don't i don't know off the top of my head but yeah, i i, I, I saw either. it in theaters and loved it I, I i saw it in theaters and loved it i think my love for it has waned as the years go you know go by as i kind of see the you know how uh jj abrams the magician does his tricks right um so i don't know if that has something to do with it but uh anyway these sci-fi adventures that are bees at best like i i can't get enough of them but like the original tron i mean like jeff bridges super young in this have you seen starman john carpenter starman with jeff bridges yes like the whole time i'm watching this um when he's playing clue i'm like oh man like this is giving me major like he he clearly was when he did starman was like oh i'm just gonna pull some of this uh like weird because i think starman came out a few years after this he was nominated for best actor he's a little bit older than that but uh very similar performances where you know he's like when he was in the computer he was sort of um acting less human at times uh when he was playing clue and uh obviously in in legacy completely you know different but uh yeah i just kept thinking like man i wonder if he's seen starman because that's one of my favorite jeff bridges movies and and um another sort of big epic sci-fi uh it's like carpenter's take at spielberg so yeah totally and 2010 was a i mean uh you know true grit and tron legacy were in theaters at the same time um and so that was like 
you know, definitely peak uh, Jeff Bridges. Um, yeah, it's I I I uh, I'm not sure uh, where we were headed with that, but um, just I, saying we love Jeff Bridges. Like the, <laughs> yes, at the end of the day, like definitely love Jeff Bridges, and I I uh, can't help but think about like the the differentiation uh to be made in his performance as like Kevin Flynn and Clue because I think that you know that when they do the age um the de-aging mm -hmm. in the sequel that the performance is different but um you know there's there's like a clue um in the original isn't there mm -hmm. yes um and that like, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I never really thought of uh, that performance in the original. Yeah, um, it's it's only fresh on my mind because like right before we we were recording, I was watching that behind the scenes making of thing, and uh, the director was like, "I didn't give him direction to um, make him make the character less human." Oh wow! Yeah. But uh, he just sort of took that on his own, and then he talked about it. They they cut to Jeff Bridges a. a um, slightly older than Tron, but less uh, older, less old than Tron Legacy. I don't know when the the making of was made, but um, it was several years after the original movie. And he was, it was really interesting hearing him talk about like, you know, he's like, oh man, I don't really remember, but uh, I guess you know, I probably uh, just got some <laughs> inspiration or something. Uh, you know, he's like, I just thought the script was far out, and I really loved it. I just love hearing him talk about like how chill he is. Like I just I thought it was far out, man. <laughs> yeah, there's like a very kind vibe approach to this film somehow. Like and Jeff Bridges kind of carries that entirely on his shoulders that and you know and like the real world scenes because it's so corporate. Like it's got this, you know, corporate setting. Um, but there's this, this rebellion of sorts of like <laughs> three decent people, uh, like the, the characters aren't cartoonish. It's, it's very much like these are three people who like feel compelled to do the right thing <laughs> and, and see and like seek that out uh which which is great and not what we get um you know often enough uh so i mean i'm very reticent to you know get excited for uh tron 3 in the event that that happens but uh i i, I feel like it's not going to have that same sort of uh granola appeal probably not and that's what i, I looking back yeah. at like the the first one and you know they they go to the arcade which is just a killer scene i wish we had a little bit more of flynn's arcade uh to, to warn flynn that uh the his boss is on to him you know and they just go there to do that and suddenly like he, he comes up with this huge plan help me break into the building and get to the like main computer so i can i can hack into it and get my information it, it moves so quickly right there at the beginning it's like clear they want to get to the computer world it's like okay enough of you know the human world let's get in here because this is what the movie's about but um it's just even as he's like breaking into a building and stuff it's hard not to to love flynn's character and like you said when he gets in there he's sort of like 
at times, even though he's one of the best computer programmers, uh, the whole granola thing, he's like very, at first he's like, you know, what is this place, man? And he, he like, he, he, there's scenes where he's like, you know, he's flying that weird. I don't, what, what do you call those things that are like, uh, uh, not, they're not the tanks, but the things that fly through the air that are just like geometric shapes. Um, I don't even know what those things are called, but when he's flying that one and he's like learning while he's going and it's just very innocent. Like it's not, it's not mean spirited. Like we would often see in movies. And, um, I was seeing like that they actually started doing some of the, um, test shots in front of a white screen. Cause this was before green screen was everything and, and motion capture. And, uh, they were talking about how much, lighting they needed if they were going to film everything in front of a white screen so they didn't get shadows and that kind of stuff and then someone was like why don't we just film in front of a black screen then we don't have to worry about that and that just changed everything but that sort of gives that whole movie that really dark vibe uh yeah and it's i mean thank goodness for it because i think watching an entirely white <laughs> Tron. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't think would be a pleasant experience. Uh, it, it would probably remind me of uh, that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, the TV the one. TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly how the entire film would play out. Um, but there, uh, the ship you're describing is a recognizer. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I should have known that off the top of my head because I'm looking at like a die cast one <laughs> on my desk. You're like, I should have recognized um, it because I have a huge forearm tattoo of a recognizer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is a uh, recognizer, LMAO. Um, but I, I mean, the ship designs in that are in, in this are fantastic. And the way that they're able to like, carry over that look into uh legacy like is is what ultimately is the fun of disney because like the fun thing about disney movies is you know that like not only do they have a massive budget but like every department has a massive budget right so they're gonna take care Um, they're gonna they're gonna make sure the continuity comes along and that they have plenty of easter eggs and yeah. yeah, but I mean, I mean, but but they're just like able to, like, you know, a great costume designer, you know, or like, can make or break a movie. And I don't, I think a lot of people don't like think about that. Um, but conversely, you know, I I think when people are watching movies, you know, the the point is to enjoy them, but they're not thinking of like every department um in that particular way but like once you kind of break through that you're able to you know come out the other side and really appreciate mediocre films or films that don't totally work 100% like you know neither Tron nor Tron Legacy like I would consider to be be mediocre a lot of people would um but you know they especially with legacy they had like so many like resources at their disposal that like some of the you know a percentage of the film like works super well because it's running on all cylinders Mm -hmm. you know like the cgi like the costumes like the score um the editing like it's it's an overall like fun experience it's just a little 
diet yeah <laughs> version of what of the spirit of tron because you don't really get that there aren't as many kind granola vibes um in tron legacy and garrett headland doesn't bring much to the table in terms of in that regard he brings something different listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening Well, I asked my boss about uh, the original because he's older and um, I work at a print shop. And so he's always been into computers and technology. And I was like, you know, what was what was it like? Because he must have been. Let's see. He was like my age when the original Tron came out. Must have been. Uh, yeah, probably around in his, in his 20s, late 20s. And uh, he was like oh man, you know, that was like mind blowing to go see in the theater. Like, you know, he's like, we had horror movies like the exorcist that freaked us out. And, uh, but like that movie was just, you know, it's probably like what a lot of people thought, you know, avatar was when we, first, when we first saw it, it's like just blowing people's minds. And he's like, have you played the game? And I'm like, you know, which one? And he's like the arcade one, man. Like every bar had a Tron and, and every, there was like always people lining up to play it. There was never like, you never walked in and no one was at the Tron, uh, cabinet. And he was just, you know, they had like four games on there and they had, you know, a, a bike one. He's like basically explaining the games that are in the movie, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's just hearing it from his perspective as someone who was, alive for the original and and the games and he's like i think the game was more popular than the movie and it almost like gave the movie a second life because uh back then you know people didn't have gaming systems at home they had to leave the house and go to an arcade or a bowling alley or a bar to get that experience and uh it's just you know just sort of cool like to think man like they didn't just have that at their hands at all times they had a physically go somewhere and interact with somebody and play against them and it's just it's it's like almost makes me nostalgic for it you know he was very excited to talk about it yeah uh the tron arcade game is um a really interesting point because it it's kind of a poster for the film that stays in a bar you know or in an arcade permanently like so you know it it's almost uh no wonder that uh it developed a cult following or following over the years because like you know i can't speak to you know how it actually fared you know in the mid to late 80s but uh, you know i it wasn't like syndicated i i can't <laughs> imagine or like regularly on television um 
but you know you could see the cabinet and people would you know wonder like what's tron and you know it's like oh it's a movie you know you go and seek it out um i i did have one very strong tron memory and i think it was for like the 25th anniversary i'm remembering now uh that that was when i first saw it and that was what year was that because i'm it's like all coming back to me i was young uh because i was playing a video game called virtual magic kingdom are you familiar with this game no um it was kind of like runescape but the setting was disney's magic kingdom okay um and so like you like made a little avatar and like you like dress it up and have these like chat rooms and stuff um and coinciding with the anniversary they had all of this tron like digital costumes and furniture and you know set, like stuff like that um and it, so that was that i remember now was my introduction to tron um it like aesthetic first mm -hmm. you know what i mean right like i was like what like what kind of caught like like what the heck kind of bike is that like what are they wearing um that and tron guy <laughs> i'm remembering <laughs> now <laughs> through the years um you know praying for that guy i wonder what he's up to but um yeah, I mean, Tron's kind of existed in this, in the foreground of culture, you know, this entire time, um, and, you know, and like, I, that's why I love it, you know, it's like almost like the Carly Rae Jepsen of sci-fi movies, <laughs> like, it's never gonna have, like, the, the success that it, like, should have or once had um but like you love it undyingly anyway because it, it provides solace um and that's how i feel when i'm you know watching the original tron is like i i have a strong appreciation for it and i'm fascinated by the production of it um but i do like it more in concept than than sitting down and watching it although i would definitely go to like a theatrical screening of it next opportunity absolutely well i think that sort of lends itself to like what you're saying though i mean like throwback showings of movies seeing something like this in the theater is not it's not the same as sitting at home watching it by yourself um because you're, you're there's going to be people in the room who haven't seen it and you have a whole different feeling like sitting and seeing it that big. And it's like you, you notice things you didn't notice before or just, you know, the event of going. And uh, yeah, I can completely understand what you're saying as far as the aesthetic of it, like the everything around it more so necessarily than the movie at times. But you still love the movie. And and like I, I love everything about it, too. Like I, I think the ingredients, you know, like you said, the, the score and same with Legacy and uh costume designs like right when they got into the computer world i was like oh i'm digging this like the the way they look with the black and white grainy film and the mm -hmm. but the backlight like the soft glow of the the neon colors and just really cool as someone who's a designer gives off that late 70s early 80s um, design vibe it's it's very cool like what they thought the future would be and i wish the future was like 
you know i i wish that we were all yeah, walking was, around in costumes like that right now it's the issue is we have too strong of an understanding now of how of how computers worked Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, this movie was imagined, you know, at a time where, like, you kind of had to imagine what was going on in a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to, you know, kind of the circuit boards, which turned into the light cycles, like, you know, so on and so forth. It feels like an eventuality. Um, but I've always been fascinated just sort of with that capsule aspect of it um because it it uh it just it just exists like it, ca- and, it captures a, yeah. it captures a moment in time for me like you know we it, people try to redo like or they try to make cult classics or try to make nostalgic or um sort of make retro style movies and they're just not the same as actual retro movies you know you can't uh beat the real thing you you really can't um and you can people have spent a lot of money trying like i'm really over like 80s throwback period and i i i feel like a lot of people are like stranger things kids on bikes wonder woman yeah yeah kids on bikes etc like very over it um every horror movie has a heavy synth score now like okay (laughs) yeah and so tron will always be different and i'll always love it for that um but it, it it's still like ticks the disney boxes even so far as like the bit is like the cute creature mm-hmm. in the film <laughs> and so it's like you've got i just i i love the bit i love most everything you know about the film i just think this is kind of the the kind of film that really starts to show my gen z-ness i think <laughs> where like w- whatever brand of adhd i i've developed you know having been on the computer every moment of my life mm-hmm. like makes tron very difficult but i think that that's what makes it all the more necessary <laughs> uh you know like you can't watch Tron on an iPad. You can't, you know, just like you can't watch, you know, 2001. It It is kind of that caliber of visuals mm-hmm. without having that kind of regard. Right. I agree. And uh, visually just, I, I, you know, you could almost watch it without the dialogue, like just listen to the score and it almost like a, maybe it would be like a, a sh- like a cool, like short f- fan edit or something. I don't know. But, um, I, I have all kinds of trivia I've pulled up from, um, IMDB I thought was fascinating and, uh, we'll go through some of this and talk about it. Uh, Tron received nominations for best costume design and best sound at the 55th Academy Awards and received an Academy Award for technical achievement 14 years later. Like you said, uh, they did not get one for visual effects because um, they disqualified it thinking like they were almost like, almost called it cheating, which funny to look at now. Uh, Yeah. 
it, it, it's it's uh it's insane and i i'm stoked to like get into uh legacy um because it's just fascinating to me how the same that same scenario happened with the daft punk score where they like considered that cheating yeah <laughs> and did it and didn't nominate it um it's it's just so weird how these films are kind of yin and yang of themselves um but yeah what else you got Although the film was an initial failure, the arcade video game based on it proved to be a tremendous hit and actually outgrossed the film. Not surprising. We talked well, a little bit about that. That's, we, we, did, we totally talked about that. The, Absolutely amazing. The uh, state-of-the-art computer used for the film's key special effects had 2 megabytes of memory and 330 megabytes of storage, which is like, you know, like wouldn't even power our phones now. No, that's, uh, may, that's maybe a YouTube video. Yeah. Maybe a song. Jeff Bridges produced too much of a bulge in the crotch area in his computer outfit, so he was forced to wear a dance belt to conceal it. Amazing. I didn't know that. <laughs> Composer Wendy Carlos's score for the film was unavailable on CD for many years due to the severe degradation of the original analog master tapes. By the time of the t- film's 20th anniversary techniques had been developed, which allowed the tapes to be temporarily restored to a playable condition for digital remastering. Uh, she, thank goodness. Yeah. She used the, used the same Moog modulator modular synthesizer, uh, that she used in her groundbreaking switched on Bach LP in 1968, as well as her previous film scores for a clockwork orange and the shining also used was Carlos then cutting edge DGS digital synthesizer as well as the live london philharmonic orchestra the tron soundtrack therefore at the time represented a hybrid of three generations of music production past with the live orchestra present analog synthesizers and the future digital synthesizers um yeah it's i i think the the synthesizer history is something to like real like i it's that hybrid like kanye west tweets about this film all the time <laughs> for a reason i did, i had no idea that's like, awesome oh like in like during the most recent like manic episode like he live tweeted tron like when he was like essentially living in like this movie theater studio thing that in like montana or whatever and i no, uh, no, this is this was in Atlanta. So like, he got Kanye's really playing 4D chess because he's he became buddy buddies with uh the Chick Fil A CEO, and the Chick Fil A CEO owns the movie studios that uh you know that they made Avengers um in um in Atlanta, and so Kanye like. Did the, this like Chick Fil A thing, and then uh, you know went to this movie theater. He's like uh, purportedly working on a movie or something, um, but he would just be in front of this gigantic like theater sized screen, and he would watch like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Tron, uh, 
uh, anime, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And and he he's so he's got this tweet that's like, I just I love Tron the original. <laughs> oh, I, I do remember seeing that now because he he specified the original. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tron the original, um, but he, yeah, and I he, uh, I'll have to look into it more deeply. But he's got some quotes where uh, he likens himself to Tron, and he talks about fighting for the user, and he's a hardcore fan. I and so I could see that in some of his like his style, like his uh, you know releases he's done and his his clothing line and stuff. I could see him being like his shoes and stuff could be inspired by that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. Like graduation 2007, very formidable album, like look time, uh, you know, Daft Punk sampled, but kind of, you know, more now, I don't know if that was my introduction to Daft Punk. It may have, may have been, well, I mean, alive 2007 was then as well. So Daft Punk was huge, but, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a frequency. It's there's a there's a through line of <laughs> sawtooth synthesizer um that that connects all of this. Yeah, somehow. I love it. Uh Debbie Harry was among the actresses who were screen tested for the role of Laura and Yori, but she didn't get the part. Um I thought this one was interesting just because I'm a horror fan and I noticed it in the movie. Um, Gort Klatu Barata Necto is seen written on the wall in Alan's cubicle. This is a phrase from 1951 sci-fi movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and was used to prevent disaster. The phrase was also famously referenced in Army of Darkness as Ash is choosing the Necronomicon. He says it incorrectly, bringing forth the Army of Darkness. As I never really knew the origin of it because I don't think I've ever actually seen the original Day the Earth Stood Still, but um, big Army of Darkness fan. And when I saw that in his cubicle, I had to look up and see where that's from. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't didn't know that one. (laughs) And then I just had one last one. Um, Publicity material stated that the reclusive French comic artist uh, Jean Mobius Guillard came to Los Angeles to work on the project for three months beginning in early 1981 providing costume and character design sketches. Um, and I, I saw that little bit about this on the uh, making of. Um, with very few guidelines limiting his imagination, conceptual artist Peter Lloyd created postcard-sized sketches of scenes and landscapes to be approved and later rendered into full-color production drawings. And uh, then it basically goes on to explain how it was done, which we talked about already. But uh, Tron had a total of um, 1,100 special effect shots, 800 of which were involved actors. Um, pretty, pretty awesome stuff to think about at the time, how they were doing that. But I, I love the idea of getting um, a reclusive French comic artist, uh, Mobius, in, in, in to do the uh, whole costume designs, because that makes sense. I mean, it looks like it's from a page, you know. Oh, absolutely. It I, and that's that's the that's the movie magic right there. That's what I love is when you when you seek out the specific you know esoteric look or thing that is being sourced to transform into something else. Like like this art style to be applied to computers <laughs> like this is what programs wear in our computer story 
Like, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's amazing. I loved, like, they were talking to some of the actors on that making of that's on YouTube, and they were like, you know, it was hard to sell it to some of the actors. Like, they, they just thought it was complete rubbish like why would i ever audition for a movie where i play a program in a computer what the fuck are they talking about like <laughs> they're like this is going to be an utter disaster it is it makes no sense um and they, they, when they were having um meetings with disney trying to explain it the the ceos of disney were just basically like just make it look cool guys like we don't have no idea what you're talking about as far as these characters in the computer and as far as how you're going to animate it on a computer. But, uh, here's what, here's what we can give you as far as money. And, um, here's what we expect. Don't screw it up. Make it look really cool basically. And, uh, you know, just crazy to think they handed the keys over to a first time director on a, using like a technology that had never been done before. It's like this thing could have been a complete huge, failure you know just could have completely exploded or imploded on them and come back to bite them in the ass and now they're you know creating a ride all these years later at you know now now we're <laughs> yeah. getting we're p patiently waiting for the uh new tron attraction at magic kingdom so really cool all these years later more than the movie yeah yeah um for me at least i i i'm I'm having a lot of trouble with Jared Leto being like yeah. the face of Tron. I was going to ask you that's, about that. That's 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 uh, you know we can touch on that later, like as I recuperate. But um, yeah, it's that's that's not kind vibes. IMO. Well, did you have any final thoughts on this one before we move on to Tron Legacy? Uh it's. It's a whole ass vibe. Um, the score is phenomenal. It's the message is great. I love the implications and imagining the computer. Like it's a very inventive film. It's a miracle it exists. It's it's great just the way it is. Uh, but it's. I can't imagine the kids loving it. <laughs> well, if I ever had a kid, I would like sit them down and be like, you have to watch this. I, and uh, a little peek behind the curtains, like when, when I originally talked to you, I, I was, you know, let's just talk about Tron Legacy. And then you're like, well, have you seen the original? I said, well, no. And you're like, well, you have to watch the original. And I'm so glad you said something and weren't, didn't just go along with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I definitely would not have appreciated um any of this as much you know i would not appreciate the sequel obviously as much but um just i'm so i, I think i like the original a little better but um well, well, no, i think that that's fair and maybe it's just Ultimately. because i'm it just because of the uh aesthetic of it too and but i think you know the second wouldn't exist without the first so maybe that's it's hard to call a sequel better than the original but um it's it's like an it's like a software update. It really it, it really kind of taps into this timelessness by reminding you of the passage of time. Like no, like like literal it's it's like saying like iOS 7 was better than iOS 10. Like 
Tron Legacy util- like has a bunch more features and you know looks a lot better, um, but it still kind of has to run on that same like ultimate operating system. Right, it's just a, a new um, polished version of it. I, I, yeah, a new polished version of it, um, but it it kind of falters in in being a film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but we can definitely get into that uh, when we get into Legacy. Thanks so much for listening to part one of my two-part conversation with Tyler Scruggs. Join us next week for part two as we cover Tron Legacy. As always, thanks to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. Please subscribe to First Time wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts.